Hello everyone and welcome to the first Filtered Mini, where we condense all of the content from one of the other episodes into 10 minutes. This is a Filtered Mini for episode 2, which looks at gender dysphoria and puberty blockers. My name is Phil Dye. This is a big week in Australia. It's where the Australian Society of Plastic Surgeons have applied to the government with advice from ACON to have taxpayer-funded Medicare pay for transgender surgery, which is double mastectomies, which is penectomy, removal of the penis, to the tune of $1,335 per person who feels they may have been born in the wrong body. It's also the week where the Victorian government has voted down an inquiry into gender-affirming treatment of children. Uh, those who voted against it were from the Labor Party and the Greens, and there are many who would say that they are now guilty of child neglect. And it's also the week where the first survey of Australians about gender identity and gender-affirming care for children has categorically said no to this gender madness full stop, with 78% believing gender ideology should not be taught in schools. So to win public support, it's time for politicians to come out and say where they stand on gender ideology. I thought we'd start off with a, some words from Bunny, a detransitioner. The trans community lied to me. When I was a teenager, I was told that this discomfort I was feeling is just that I was meant to be a boy and that if I transitioned, I would feel great. I would feel euphoric. It would be everything. But looking back, if someone would have just said, no, just told me no. It's just a normal teenage thing to feel uncomfortable in your body. Maybe I wouldn't be where I am today. And with that, I'll begin the interview with Professor John Whitehall. And I began by asking him if gender transitioning amongst uh, school-age students uh, was as big an issue as the media and some groups would make out. I, I recollect when I first became aware of this phenomenon, which was in 2015, um, having been a general paediatrician for a number of years, I polled uh, friends of mine, 28 in fact, uh, paediatricians, and I said, have you ever heard of this? What, what do you think? They could only remember uh, about 12 and 10 of those they remembered because of the comorbid psychiatric condition and two because of the associated uh, sexual abuse. Self-harm in the form of cutting, in the form of uh, starvation or self-poisoning or burning doesn't seem to quite be as prevalent, uh, but uh, gender dysphoria is. Do you think it's taken over perhaps as a form of uh, self-harm in order to, to escape something. It certainly is characterised by its association, its comorbid association with, uh, with, with mental disorder in, in children. But in association with that mental instability, uh, this phenomenon has occurred. M many of them are autistic. It's a sort of a neurodevelopmental problem. Um, that, too, is more common now than it used to be. So I, I don't understand the reason for this. And I mean, they have come to this diagnosis themselves with the help of friends, the media, and as we are saying before, the web and everything. They've come to this di diagnosis. There's a certain notoriety about it these days. It certainly gets you noticed. 
You certainly can create a fuss at school. You don't really understand the future. No, no child of that age really understands the maturity of sexuality or gender of these. They say they do, but uh, we don't allow them to make decisions of anywhere near that consequence, such as tattooing themselves or driving a car or joining the army. Or buying a bottle of gin at the bottle shop. Exactly. We don't trust them with that. But here, we trust them with this clamour, uh, this painful clamour, because it causes all sorts of trouble if you try to give it, if you try to object to it, and therefore they get their own way. And this is a tragedy. John, I'm just going to play you the words of a, a trans activist. Here are the actual facts. Fact. Medical professionals are not giving puberty blockers to children who have not reached puberty. Fact. Puberty blockers are fully reversible. John, are puberty blockers fully reversible? This is an exceedingly frustrating thing because, no, they're not reversible. And there is abundant literature um, to to prove that uh, from rodents to animals. Now, people will say, well, you, you, why are you basing it on animal studies? Well, every other medical thing is based on animal study. If you give, a, a, a like, a sheep a new drug and it drops dead, well, you don't pursue that line of treatment. Now, in sheep in particular, have been given puberty blockers around that peripubertal time. And then they did MRI studies on their brains, found that the limbic system, which is in the midbrain area, and it coordinates thinking and emotion and drive and reward, that was hypertrophied in their sheep. And then, then when they, then they donated themselves to science, so to speak, and people were looking under the microscope, and molecular microscope, they found that many, many, many genes, the, the function of genes was either up-regulated or down-regulated. And these were very basic constituent genes. So what had happened to the sheep that they didn't, they didn't make the ultimate sacrifice, well, they were much more behaviorally disturbed. Their, their memory was disturbed. Did they get better? No, this was a sustained effect. So, so it had effect on the brain of the sheep? That's correct, on the limbic system in particular, and that was reflected in sustained alteration in their behaviour. Now, I don't know why, I don't know why uh, the children's hospitals continue to assert, like this mantra, uh, that, that puberty blockers are safe and entirely reversible when... They, they, they can look up the literature. If I look up the literature, they could do it. Now, what about the the sex, the cross-sex hormones, estrogen and, and testosterone? Are people given enough information about that? The children's hospitals, they'll give you a whole list of complications. Yeah, you can get thrombosis, you can get other things and other things. But they never mention the studies by Hushoff, Pohl and others. Uh, and they found that if you put adult males on estrogen, by MRI studies measuring, actually measuring the distance, the brain shrinks at a rate 10 times faster than aging. Full stop. Now, you never hear that. So this is for a boy transitioning to a girl? That was males on estrogen. The girl in the testosterone, their grey matter, the zones increased in size. Now, nobody knows at a molecular level because you can't hold these people down and take a brain sample off them, but they have measured the effect on the MRI. But they don't even talk about that, you see. John, in my research, 69% of all individuals who are transgendered had uh, a ACE 
trauma, childhood trauma score of three or four. That means that they had had events of childhood trauma in their life. That trauma could be childhood sexual abuse, it could be physical abuse. When a, a young person goes to transition in Australia, are these causes of it, are these um, events of childhood trauma, which may still be going on, are they investigated and dealt with before gender transition is considered? Well, you would hope it would be looked at in depth before you took this massive medical intervention, but I'm not comforted by that. Um, there is a report from Western Australia, and what they are saying is that uh, normally there is this process of assessment of psychological problems, but uh, these children may be directed uh, first to the endocrinologist. So you, you can imagine they, they got the girl who, who was really insistent and there were the parents going along with it. And, and you can imagine people saying, well, gee, we better maybe put her on this, give in and uh, put her on the cross-sex hormones and so forth. Is it not formalised that that should not occur as it is in Finland? Here, there is freedom, as far as I can see, to cut short the diagnostic process and the sort of cognitive therapy process um, to reorientate the person uh, with the chromosomes in which, with which they were born. And how easy is it to find doctors who will begin gender transitioning with children from an early age? Uh, there are 84 general practices and or practices in New South Wales alone uh, which has set themselves up in order to help people transgender. And there is no age limit that I can see there at all, uh, which would restrict them, nor, as far as I can see, is there any obligation to undergo uh, any kind of investigative therapeutic uh, psychotherapy. None. Uh, John, look, one final question. If a, um, a young person transitions... And um, later on in life, perhaps they get to the age of 20 and 21 and they decide that this is not for them. They've got continued psychological problems that transitioning hasn't cured them, changed them. And they wish to then detransition and, and go back and they're very angry about it. And they decide they're going to sue the doctors that did this. They're going to sue the education departments that let it occur. Is this something that could happen? Well, of course it could happen. We've been, we're, I, I wonder why it happened already. They're, these people are saying uh, puberty blockers are safe and entirely reversal. Well, already for 10 years, it has been known in sheep that that's not so. It's a miserable, awful, sad problem. And the children are being caught up in this. And uh, my heart goes out to them because uh, they're obviously suffering children and they're going to suffer more. I mean, irreparable changes to their brain and certainly to their breast, to their body and everything like this uh, is the pathway that they are being encouraged to, to walk down. Now, that is a really, really sad thing. And that was Professor John Whitehall, a paediatrician with more than 30 years' experience. My name's Phil Dye. I'll see you again soon. 